When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode 243 of the Lax Factor Podcast. I am your host, Ted Houston. Today, we're going to talk about some of the interesting games that were played on Sunday, specifically two games that were played um, between you know Sunday's recap show and today. Uh, we'll talk about Brown's dismantling of Vermont. There's a big game tonight, uh, Towson hosting Loyola. The Greyhounds are going to want to bounce back and pick up a win after losing to Rutgers over the weekend. And then this weekend's just chock full of interesting games across the Division One landscape, and we're going to talk about almost all of them, at least touch on them briefly. First up, though, before I get into it, as always, be sure to like subscribe, hit the notification bell if you're on YouTube, share the crap out of the podcast if you're listening or watching elsewhere. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com. We provide custom team uniforms and apparel for teams all over the United States. This gear is designed, printed, cut, and sewn in America. Uh, so, you, you know, support made in America for sure. And uh, as always, you can go to laxfactor.com and watch our videos and things like that as well. But if you want a quote for Team Apparel, hit me up either via the website laxfactor.com or via social media, and we can get your team set up, get a mock-up done up, get you some pricing, and get your team set up with Team Gear. Now, let me shut up. Let's dive into the first game I want to talk about that was played here on Sunday. It was number 10 Delaware hosting unranked, unranked at the time, Villanova. They are ranked now, but because this, you know, the, the new poll hadn't come out by the time this game was played, I, I went with what the rankings were then. Now, Delaware, they were the number team in the country on Sunday as they hosted Villanova, and the Wildcats went in and picked themselves up a one-goal win. This game went back and forth all day long with both teams taking turns playing around with the lead. Delaware battled back from a 12-9 deficit halfway through the fourth quarter, and the Blue Hens' Finn Morgan scored on a dish from Jason Sider, nodding things up at 12s with 2.54 left in the game, but it was Nova's Matt Campbell that stuck the game winner with 139 left on the clock, dodging down the right alley, putting a shot past Delaware goaltender Matt Kilkiri. Campbell finished the day with five goals and a dish, with three of those goals and the assist coming all in the second half as Villanova tried to get a lead and then hold Delaware off, and then you know was forced to score the game winner. Delaware, uh, they're still playing without Robinson. Ty Kurtz, he was good for four and two, while J.P. Ward went for three and two. Delaware's played some solid lacrosse, but they really need Robinson back in that lineup. I'm not 100% sure what his injury is, but I think it's kind of game by game per the telecast in this one, but they're just not the same offensively without him, and getting him back will be huge. Villanova, they had an, uh, a very solid defensive outing, forcing seven turnovers, but Delaware shot themselves in the foot numerous times, committing nine turnovers that were technically logged as unforced. Chet Kamisa, uh, Chet Camizio had a great day on defense for the Wildcats, picking up seven GBs and forcing a turnover on one of Delaware's final two possessions as the Blue Hens tried to tie things back up late. Finn Morgan would get a shot off with 11 seconds to play, hit the pipe. Stevie Jones would pick it up and huff that ground ball upfield. And uh, as time expired and Vill Villanova would get the win. 
Villanova dominated gameplay. They dominated in terms of shots, 46 to 32. Shots on goal, 28 to 20. Ground balls, 44 to 38. So overall, it was a close game, but from a, a stat line perspective, Villanova really did kind of handle their business, and they pull out this big win here uh, over Delaware. Let's stop talking about this one, and we are going to now talk about the Vermont Brown game. Now, this one surprised me. Right away, it had me raising eyebrows because I, I didn't expect uh, – it had my eyebrows raised because I didn't expect for the score to be what it was when I turned it on early. So that was bad. The weather was nuts. That was interesting. Total whiteout by halftime. Guys running around like on perfect snowman snow, which means you know their feet, their cleats were just picking up that, that snow like they would pick up mud in the old days when teams used to still play on grass and muddy fields. And uh, I figured Burke was going to dominate the dot at this game and that that would make this game a close game and it would come right down to the end, but that was not so. Burke lost 16 of 36. 44% was all he won of the faceoffs in this game as Matthew Gunty of Brown. He wins 19 of 31 for 61%, and uh, that's two years in a row now Gunty has had Burke's number. Uh, I believe last year they were pretty even, but I think Gunty won a late faceoff late in that game that helped Brown win it. And in this case, Gunty just dominated Burke all day long, and Brown dominated Vermont on in the scoring column. Uh, and we all know what happens when Vermont doesn't win games or win the faceoff battle. They end up, you know, being in close games or losing games more often than not. Devin McLean he puts up nine goals in a dish. In addition, this one, so Vermont had a very difficult time bottling up McLean. Trevor Yeboa Cody, defensive midfielder from a year ago, he's doing a bunch of damage in transition in this game, but he also looked like he may even got some kind of semi-settled offensive runs. The result, Yeboah Cody goes for a goal and five helpers on the day. Brown dominated Vermont from start to finish. They pick up the win, and that is all she wrote. So that's all I want to talk about in terms of games from over the weekend because I want to dive into the matchups this weekend because we have some really important games popping off here. The first game I want to talk about, number two, Notre Dame at number four, Maryland. Maryland coming in at 3-1, and one, Notre Dame at 3-0. and oh. Now, this is for sure the matchup of the weekend, be certain. So I'll talk about this one first. Both teams have three wins, although Maryland has a loss to Loyola and Notre Dame hasn't felt the kiss of defeat quite yet. Maryland comes in with their face-off man, Luke Weirman, and their defense as the core strengths of this team overall. I'd posit they got Makar wearing number one, but I still think Maryland's best player may very well be Luke Weirman at the face-off dot. Uh, they've played better offensively, Maryland has, in wins over Syracuse and Princeton. But to anyone observing, they're definitely being carried by Wehrman and this de defense thus far. Maryland did lose goaltender Logan McNaney to a season-ending knee injury. And since he went out, they've tried out both Teddy Dolan and Brian Ruppel in cage. Dolan struggled a little bit in his outing against Syracuse. They still pick up the win, but he didn't look great. And Ruppel played very well against Princeton. So I, I, I'd imagine we'd see Ruppel start against Notre Dame. Now, on the side of the Irish, it's been a total team effort so far in their first three wins. They haven't played the same quality of opponents. I don't believe that Maryland's played thus far, but Notre Dame uh, was, you know, was very impressive in their 15-8 to drubbing of Georgetown. Now, they haven't been totally reliant on the Kavanaugh brothers offens offensively, which is a great sign. Now, yes, that's going to sound crazy because the Kavanaugh brothers, Chris has 18 points, Pat has 17, and the next guy, uh, Ricky Ardelli, has nine points. So it does look like 
the Kavanaugh brothers have been carrying them, but in that win over the Hoyas, five players put up three points and two guys had two points. So when needed, it looks like Notre Dame is going to be able to maybe produce some depth in that scoring output. That's going to be a very good sign for them moving forward. The Notre Dame defense, they should be prepared to just about terrorize Maryland on offense a bit. Maryland doesn't have insanely great ball carriers, and that's going to play into Notre Dame's hands in terms of how the matchups play out overall. So you got uh, Chris Conlon has four cost turnovers for Notre Dame on defense so far. Chris Fake, three cost turnovers. The rest of that Notre Dame defense is playing well so far, and with Liam Entman behind them, goals should be a little bit tougher to come by for Maryland than they have been so far in their the opponents they face this season because I think that other than Loyola, uh, who beat Maryland, Notre Dame, I think, is the best defensive team they've played so far. In the end, I think that Maryland is going to hang in this game, and I think it will be a close game throughout because I think Weirman, who's been spectacular so far this season, we have no reason to think he's going to fall you know, far off this weekend, especially against the Notre Dame duo. Who's the Notre Dame face-off duo here? They've been playing well here, Lynch and uh, Hagstrom. And mostly it's been Lynch taking face-offs so far for Notre Dame. So there's no reason to think that Weirman isn't going to continue to dominate. If he doesn't, it could be a long day for Maryland. Maybe we see a 5-7 to seven goal spread. So long as Weirman handles his business, I think this is going to be a close, close game. I think Maryland... Also, the defense is going to be able to kind of hang tight with Notre Dame's offense a little bit, but I think where this game gets separated a little bit uh, in favor of Notre Dame is going to be the the way the Notre Dame defense matches up against the Maryland offense. I think that Notre Dame is a better defensive team than Maryland is an offensive team, and I think that's going to neutralize Weirman's wins at the faceoff dot enough that Notre Dame's going to be able to pick this win up. So my prediction overall, Notre Dame by uh, two or three goals. I don't think it's going to be a big spread by any means. I think it should be a good game. Next game, I want to talk about number three, Cornell at number eight, Ohio State. Ohio State coming in at three and one, Cornell still three and oh. Now, Cornell won this matchup deuce times a year ago, beating Ohio State at home in early March and then beating them again in the NCAA tournament. Excuse me. I choked on water as I was getting a drink of water before I started this, and I thought I, you know, I thought my my life did pass before my eyes, but I did make it out, and I'm talking to you all, but I might have to clear my throat a couple of times. Um, so yeah, Ohio State's going to have revenge on their minds. This is a much better Ohio State team, in my opinion, especially defensively, versus a year ago. They have three defenders right now that are capable of guarding an opposing team's number one guy, and then lucky for the Buckeyes, they only need one of those three defenders that are capable of guarding pimps to guard said pimp, and uh, meaning only one of their defenders needs to guard C.J. Kirst, and they've got two other guys that have experience guarding. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Top-notch offensive players. Cornell, they've looked a little bit shaky defensively at times so far in 2023, and that's going to play nice into the fact that Ohio State is, is you know, that's going to play nice for Cornell in the sense that as they're still trying to figure things out defensively, Ohio State's still been trying to figure things out offensively themselves. The Buckeyes only put up eight goals in a win over North Carolina and only six goals in that loss to Virginia last weekend. Cornell's defense is somewhere, I think, in line with Carolina's. So, you know, that that should the under in this game probably is a good play. Now, a season ago, 
Cornell's Gavin Adler, one of the best defenders in the country, he handled Ohio State's leading scorer, Jack Myers, held him to like two or three points or something like that. I think Adler has a little bit less help this year. So I expect Myers to do a bit more damage in this one, although I don't think he's going to go crazy and put up seven points or anything like that. I think revenge, though, is going to be the topic of the day. I I think we see Ohio State come out hungry and ready for a dogfight from the beginning of this game till the end. My prediction, Ohio State gets revenge over Cornell for beating them twice last season, and Ohio State's going to win this one at home by a goal or two. That's all I have to say about that one. Now, let's talk about the game I'm going to be watching most intently here, and this game actually isn't played until Sunday. Right now, my plan is to go up so long as the weather holds out. We'll see how that goes. Now, Syracuse... Uh, they are clinging to that number 20 spot by the skin of their teeth. After starting 3-0, and they've lost two straight to number 4 Maryland and number 11 North Carolina. Duke's coming off back-to-back wins over Denver and number 10 Penn after losing to number 14 Jacksonville. What we've learned thus far about Syracuse is they're not going to win very many face-offs, especially in ACC play, where everybody has a killer at the face-off dot. North Carolina, the least capable face-off crew that Syracuse will face in terms of conference play, and that it's just going to be worse throughout here. And uh, what's going to be the problem for Syracuse here is if they don't win face-offs, their defense probably is not good enough to go toe-to-toe with these ACC offenses while losing that possession battle at the same time. Now, Duke, on the other hand, they win face-offs above a 60% clip thanks to Jake Naso. Naso is sitting at 63% thus far. He's taken all but 15 of Duke's draws this season. Richie USA is going to have a hard time on Sunday, in my opinion, and I think that's going to result in Syracuse's defense and goaltender Will Mark being pressured all day long and kind of playing from their heels all game long against this Duke offense. Now, on top of that, Syracuse isn't built to defend a team like Duke with three killers at attack. Landon Clary, he's been drawing opposing teams' top attackmen He's done an admirable job thus far, but guarding the Duke attack is a whole different ball game compared to what Syracuse has faced so far this season, and I fear that Syracuse is not going to have enough depth at defense to keep this game close overall. My prediction, Duke by five to seven goals. I like that Syracuse typically plays Duke tough, especially at the Dome. Syracuse has kind of been a Duke killer over the course of the last handful of seasons, but I think this season's probably a little bit different here. Duke's attack is just a bunch of monsters. We have a defender that's probably better suited for guarding you know, the opposing team's two or three guy, and he's going to have to be guarding their, their number one, and it's just going to... I have a bad feeling about this game in terms of the face-off dot, and then in terms of we've given up a lot of good shots to teams, and Will Mark has thus far not had a bad game. What's going to happen to the Syracuse defense when Wilmark does have a bad game it could get ugly so if Wilmark puts up say 70 percent of his shots Syracuse is in this ball game if Wilmark is hanging at 50 percent like he was last weekend Syracuse is going to lose this by a margin and you know drop to three and three but we have some favorable matchups coming up for the for the orange here uh next game I want to talk about here unranked and 0-3 Georgetown at number 5 Princeton. Now, this is officially a must-win game for Georgetown. We all keep saying this despite the fact the Hoyas could still just win their conference tournament and get themselves into the NCAA tournament, but at this stage, they haven't given anyone reason to believe they're actually even capable of winning their conference tournament. They need quality wins to build their resume and, more importantly, to build their confidence, and picking up a victory over number 5 Princeton is, would be huge. And I actually think that Princeton right now, I think they're overranked. 
<clears throat> I had Princeton lower in my poll this weekend because even though they've played teams tough, They've played a couple of teams that aren't that great, a little closer than I thought they would. They kind of got beat up a little bit by by Maryland last weekend. So I think Princeton probably should be somewhere in the area of 10, not number five. So I, I, I like this matchup for the psyche of Georgetown. If Georgetown can beat the number five team in the country, boom, they're back to ranked, even though they're only one and three. More importantly, they have some confidence going in. The problem for Georgetown ends up being They've got Princeton. Richmond is a good a good matchup. High Point's a good one for them. Lehigh could kill them at the dot, but they should win that game. But then they get into like Denver, Providence, Marquette. They got Loyola in the mix. So they still have a bunch of tough games ahead of them. But you can see once they get past Princeton, they do have some more favorable matchups over the next three. So that should build some confidence for them heading into that Denver game, which is going to be important here. Um, let me go back here. So... Both teams, they are so-so at the faceoff dot overall, but James Riley for Georgetown, he's streaky and capable of getting hot, and when he gets hot, he tends to put uh, not just win draws, but put points up as well. Overall, I think the teams are pretty evenly matched. I like the Hoyas' defense and how they line up against the Princeton offense. I don't think Princeton's defense is built to wreak havoc by any means, and that could, this could kind of be the game that we maybe finally start seeing Georgetown play some semblance of solid offense with all these guys that are trying to figure it out. I just don't see the Hoyas starting 0-4. I think they're going to be hungry. I think that Princeton thus far represents their best shot at a win over the course of these first four games here. It's not like Georgetown's been losing to chumps with their losses. Uh, their three losses have come to number 15, Hopkins, number 10, Penn, and number two, Notre Dame. So drop, like I said, dropping number five, Princeton, could be that boost of confidence they need to kind of go on a run, get some wins under their belt, heading into that matchup against Denver. Now, losing to Princeton, though, they, on the other hand, I say if they win, that's a big confidence boost. I think if they lose to Princeton, that is an enormous kick in the balls, and who knows what's going to happen after that. They 0-4 is ugly, even though the the four teams that you've lost to thus far are all ranked and quality opponents. It just shows that, yeah, you may be a quality team, but you're not of the same quality as these other teams. So after they had a incredible regular season last year, they get beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament by one of the play-in teams, and now they're 0-3, not a whole lot of confidence, not a whole lot of feel-good vibes going on uh, in D.C. for Georgetown. In the end, though, like I said, my prediction, Georgetown. I think Georgetown ends up finding a way to win this game by two or three goals by the end. That's my prediction. Next game we got to talk about, number 12, St. Joseph's at number 15, Johns Hopkins. A banged-up Johns Hopkins squad is getting tested yet again this weekend with a number 12-ranked team coming to town. Thus far, every opponent that 3-2 and two Hopkins has faced has been ranked except for Utah. Jacksonville's now number 15. Georgetown at the time Hop beat them was number 3. Now they're unranked. Carolina's now number 11. Loyola now number 7. So a really good resume thus far for Hopkins. Hopkins, though? They are playing very banged-up lacrosse. They badly needed that win over Utah after dropping two straight to Carolina and Loyola after starting 2-0. and They were banged up in both of, uh, both of those losses and managed to get a four-goal win over Utah despite having some guys out, including goaltender Tim Marcille, who played you know solid lacrosse over their first three games, four games. Yeah, four games. But on the bright side for Hopkins, they've continued to play well and have scrapped and have been in games despite having guys miss time. Gibb 
Wesserfeld or uh, Versfeld, he stopped 65% of the shots he faced while spelling Marcel in that Utah game. Ian Cramp put up three goals in a dish, getting time due to injured teammates. Young gun Matt Collison, he's put up eight goals, being called, you know, as he's been being called upon to contribute offensively despite his youth. Big boy, I like. I'm a big fan of number 16 for Hopkins and Collison. He's a big boy midfielder that gets to the middle of the field well. Uh, if Hopkins is healthy, even just remotely healthy, Angelus and Melendez running around, if, as long as they're there, then I like their chances against St. Joe's. If those guys are still banged up and missing minutes overall, then I think things are going to be much tougher for Hopkins. Now, on the St. Joseph side, <clears throat> excuse me, Zach Cole is the guy to watch in this one. He's won a whopping 77% of his draws so far in 2023, and the Hopkins duo of Tyler Dunn and Logan Callahan are going to have their hands full. Now, Dunn and Callahan, they've been playing good enough for Hopkins to keep them in games with, with solid possessions overall. Um, but if they get roached by Cole at the dot, it could be a rough go for Hopkins, especially if injuries continue to cost guys time. I'm beating that to death, I know, but, you know, it's 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 a factor. They, they've had some – Melendez came out looking really good early. He's been banged up. Angelus was looking really good, still looks good, even banged up. Uh, Marcel's out. They have other guys out. So I think losing the possession battle to a team that has guys on offense like Carter Page, Matt Bomber, and Levi Anderson overall, I think that's a recipe for disaster. I think that will happen, but for – for some reason, I just can't count Hopkins out in this one. Uh, I'm going, even though everything in my being, and I even when I wrote this up, I initially put St. Joseph's by one or two goals. I deleted that, and I put down prediction Hopkins by one or two goals. I still like what Hopkins is doing. They're playing at home. St. Joseph's, they don't play a whole hell of a lot of games of this caliber, especially at Homewood Field. So I'm going with Hopkins. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not very bright. I'm a terrible gambler. I've just given up on the gambling shit. I mean, I just drained my my uh, DraftKings account over the last two weekends down to like six bucks that I have in the account at this point. I've, uh, I am just a ridiculously stupid gambler. Uh, next game I want to talk about here, Richmond at number one, Virginia. Now the Cavs are off to a 3-0 and start, as expect expected, with Richmond coming to town and playing them in Charlottesville. The UVA offense have been off the charts good with both Connor Schellenberger and Peyton Cormier dropping 18 points over their first three games. Shelley's been in sharing mode while drawing a lot of attention. He's got six goals and 12 helpers. Cormier has benefited from that attention that Schellenberger's gotten. He's gotten free for 15 goals with three assists on the season. Richmond, they've won three straight since losing 15 to four at Maryland. That was a little bit ugly and uncharacteristic of them. But the quality of their opponents over their first three, over their, their three wins, it hasn't been anything to write home about. So yes, Richmond has a history of playing well on the road in Charlottesville, but this isn't the same Richmond team that you know kind of played well in Charlottesville over those years, and this is a different Cavs team as well. P.D. LaSala, he's been getting things done at the faceoff dot, winning 56% of his draws, but what's more impressive, he's averaging two goals a game over the first three. He has six goals. Virginia's defense, they've played extremely well at times, and then they've looked really spotty and sketchy at times. I'll expect to see them play well at least long enough to get Virginia a big lead against Richmond and then hold off, and the game's going to be over by the time they start playing spotty again. So my prediction, I think Virginia's going to roll. I think Virginia's going to win this game by 9 to 11 goals despite Richmond's rich history of coming in here and playing tough. I think this offense is fully dialed in. I think their defense is going to get better week in and week out. When you look at it, Noons has not played great thus far, so I think he's due to have a really good game. So I like Virginia to roll in this one. Next one we got to talk about here, Penn State 
hosting Penn. Now, I was fairly optimistic that Penn State would be a bit better this season, even though I still said that, you know, the, the Big Ten is still going to be a tough draw, and I still had them kind of on the bottom half of the Big Ten. Once they lost to Villanova on the road in their second outing, I was like, ah, oh, man, maybe we're wrong. Maybe Penn State's the basement team still in the big. Well, wins over Stony Brook and now over number 13, Yale. Second year in a row, they've beat Yale. The Nittany Lions have cracked the top 20. They're hoping to continue their winning ways as they get closer to Big Ten play. Now, Penn coming off a loss to Duke. I spelt that wrong have a lose. Coming off a loss to number six Duke after coming out and dealing Georgetown their second loss of the season. In that loss to the Blue Devils, Penn shot the ball like absolute turd. That cost them the game against Duke. While Penn State is better both offensively and defensively, I think Penn's going to more than likely figure out some of those shooting woes that they had against Duke and put on a much better show on Saturday. I think Sam Handley, after a rough outing against Duke, I think he's going to be dodging angry. I don't think Penn State has the defensive firepower to completely hold Handley back. Duke got a great game out of number 19, Stevenson, against Handley. I'm not sure that Penn State's going to have the same luck that Duke did overall. And then Cam Rubin, I think he'll continue his shooting clinic. Right now, he's got seven goals off nine shots over their first two games for Penn. Now, important matchup to watch, Chase Mullins and Hudson Bond against Penn's Chris Arceri at the faceoff dot. These teams are both pretty closely matched in that respect. Neither neither group has has, has wowed anybody thus far in their in their limited action. So I think that uh, every possession is going to count in a game like this, especially if this game is close over the course of the fourth quarter. So that should be an interesting matchup to watch as we're trying to figure out, you know, we know what teams have the killers at the faceoff dot. Now we're trying to figure out which teams are going to win on average more than they lose, which teams are going to come in at 55%, only just slightly edging out their opponents on average. So this should be a good matchup to watch. My prediction, though, I think Penn's going to handle their business. I think Penn's going to win this on the road by two or three goals in this in-state matchup. Now, those are the games I wrote up and I made predictions on, so those are the ones that we count here. Now I'm just going to go through and talk about other games quickly before we get to the end of the show. North Carolina hosting Denver. The way the Tar Heels have been playing so far this season, I like North Carolina in this one. Denver, once again, they have a history coming from the West, hitting this East Coast, specifically playing Duke and North Carolina tough. But I think that right now, North Carolina is playing very good offensive ball there. they Yes, they don't have Chris Gray anymore, but the like Logan McGovern, the Bryant transfer, has played very well. Lance Tillman has been lancing shots left and right. Sean Goldsmith, the transfer from Mercer, is starting to figure things out. So right now, this North Carolina offense without Gray looks very good, and they're putting up points. Defensively, they've impressed mostly because Colin Colin Krieg is a killer in cage. Now, why isn't this loading? There we go. Colin Krieg so far, 61%. And I mean, North Carolina's played some good teams. Let's actually go back here and I want to look at what Krieg has done thus far. Yeah, against Mercer, 77%. Against a very good Hopkins, 67%. Against Ohio State, 62%. Struggled a little bit against Syracuse in ACC play here. But, you know, still, they picked up the win. So I'm a big Colin Krieg fan. I think he's going to factor heavily in this game. Denver has been struggling badly in cage. Thompson played well, I think, in their first outing or two. Has struggled since then. So the the the... The main place I think that Denver has an advantage, and it might be the only place Denver has an advantage, is Alec, uh, Alex Stathakis at the faceoff dot for Denver. So he could help keep Denver 
close early, but I think in the end, North Carolina is probably going to slow burn this one to victory. I, I think it'll be a close game, though. I think somewhere between a goal to maybe four or five goals in favor of Carolina. Denver could win. I just don't think they're going to. I think Carolina's playing really good lacrosse right now. Uh, this is, what, tonight's game. This game's being played tonight. Uh, Loyola playing on the road at Towson here. I, you know, Loyola's the, one of the best defensive teams in the country right now. They're playing really well. Offensively, they haven't fully figured things out yet as we kind of come in here and we see not lighting up the scoreboard by any means. But they did beat Maryland 12-7. They did beat Hopkins 13-8, and they lost to a very good Rutgers team that was able to kind of stymie their offense and hold them under, well, shit, they hold them under seven goals, but it was their first outing under 10 goals, and Rutgers picks that win up, and Rutgers got insane play out of their goaltender in that game. I don't think that's going to happen against Towson. I think Loyola, I don't think they're going to roll Towson, but I figure they, sh they, sh they should easily be able to beat Towson by four or five goals, and I think that you know a, a route is uh, is potentially in the works for this one. High Point and Jacksonville doing battle here. Jacksonville's going to be playing at High Point. Jacksonville's been off for a while. It feels like they haven't played a game in a long time. Yeah, they haven't played a game since the 18th in that win over Marist. So right now, Jacksonville's clinging to that Duke win as they're, hey, we're still here. We've still arrived, and we still deserve to be ranked. So High Point, uh, they've actually... You know, after losing badly to Duke and just getting beat up badly by Duke, they've been rolling. Now, granted, they played some crappy opponents other than Navy, but they pick out a huge one-goal win over Navy, and then they just beat the crap out of Hampton here as well. So this, you know, this is a big game. This will tell us where both of these teams really are. And like I said, Jacksonville, they almost have to win this game. They can't lose this game uh, because they need to keep building their resume up. Yes, once again, they have a chance at an automatic qualifier. But, you know, teams like Jacksonville, High Point, they've relied on that automatic qualifier in the past. They, you know, if, if they're going to kind of take that next step and become a legitimate contender every year, they have to be putting themselves in position every year to, to win an at-large bid, even where they don't win their um, conference tournament. And they have schedules that give them enough chances to get those quality wins to do that. They just have to handle their business. I don't know who to take in this one. High Point's been playing really well offensively. As you see here, uh, Van Overbeek, Maia. Maia's impressed despite being an off-ball guy. I was wondering, well, what's he going to do for points without Asher Nolting there to help him? Overbeek and company have kind of been feeding him the rock. He's been creating offense himself a little bit. So in this one, I'm leaning Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville will probably pull out a very close game. But if Jacksonville could come out and impress and wax high point, that'll be a very good sign for them. And they need, you know, they need to get a win under their belt after not playing lacrosse for just about two weeks. Uh, next one, Delaware uh, hosting Michigan. Delaware, like I said, they just dropped the game here to Villanova. They haven't played anyone, and they haven't blown some of these teams out as badly as I thought. So Michigan should be another good test. Last year, I had thought that Delaware was going to come in and potentially beat Michigan, and Michigan handled Delaware at home. So this season, I think we may see more of that. I mean, Michigan is improved. Michigan's played a tougher schedule. I believe thus far here, they've already faced Virginia and then some weak games here. That loss to Marquette does not look good here. So Michigan must win game for Michigan on the road. And for Delaware, they can still win their conference term. Michigan has almost zero chance of winning the Big Ten tournament. So Michigan just has to win, win, win. And that's going to be very tough for them to do from here. Uh, Delaware could still win their conference tournament, but they're playing some good teams and they need to beat these big conference teams to kind of continue to take that next step. It helps them in recruiting. It will help build their resume for the tournament. But yeah, I am leaning into Michigan winning this game. 
still, unless Robinson's back. You add Robin, Mike Robinson to the Delaware roster, changes the face of their offense considerably because it just, you know, Finn Morgan's played well, Clay Miller's played well, but none of those guys are Mike Robinson, so you throw him back in the mix, and that makes it a whole different level of difficult for defenses to match up with those attackmen for Delaware. So I like Michigan in this one, uh, but if Robinson's playing, all bets are off. Another one, Yale, UMass. This one's important because Yale lost here over the weekend. UMass did the same. Who did UMass lose to? UMass lost to Boston U, 6-12. to That was beyond what they wanted to lose by. And then Yale loses to Penn State by two goals here. So both teams are going to be looking for a bounce-back win with the Ivy being the just absolute monster of a conference that it is. Yes, Paper Tiger, they're not as good as they were last year. They're not handling their out-of-conference business like they were last year. But for a team like Yale, they have to win this game. I expect that they will. I think Yale will win this game, but UMass is scrappy and they're playing at home, so I think it should end up being a close game, but I do like Yale by a handful of goals overall. The freshman here, it was last weekend in their loss, it was Matt Brandau. I think Brandau was held to like one and two on the day, and it was Lions and Johnson that have been carrying them, so young guns for Yale have to continue to be able to carry them when Brandau gets taken out of the out of the mix, And but Brandau does not get taken out of the mix often. So I, I you know, bet that his three points against Penn State, that bet that that's one of his lower outputs all season long. I think Brandau has six-plus points, and they beat UMass handily. Harvard hosting Vermont. Like I said, Vermont coming off a, a rough loss here to Brown. They could kind of erase some of the terrible feelings from that by coming in and beating Harvard overall. It, it really it comes down to one thing here, Tommy Burke. If Tommy Burke comes out and handles his business at the faceoff dot, Vermont will be in this game. If Burke only wins 50%, Harvard's going to win. Vermont's defense is not built to stop big conference offenses overall. They rely on Burke to win that possession battle for him. So that's going to be key in this game. If Burke dominates the dot, this will be a close game. If he doesn't and he plays similar to how he played here uh, against <clears throat> Against Brown, it could be a rough day for Vermont again. Rutgers, Utah. I think Rutgers is going to win this game. I'm just talking about it because Rutgers coming off that big win over Loyola. And uh, they, you know, offensively, this is just a, yet another another chance for them to kind of flex their offensive muscle, get things rolling. Ross Scott is their leading scorer thus far, but only by a margin. And it's been huge. It, big boy Brian Cameron, Dante Coolis has looked really good for them. Uh, Shane Knobloch had a good game last weekend. So Rutgers is going to roll in this one, but I did want to touch on it quickly just because, you know, I like Rutgers. And they're ranked. And what other games here did we not talk about? You know what? We're going to skip that. We're going to hit the D2 calendar, and we're going to see what we have on the calendar for Division Two before we bounce out of here. Uh, let's see. Anything stick out? Oh, these are Wednesday's games. Holy crap. That's the crazy thing about D2 and D3 is every night is filled. You know, and with the D2 games, I just don't know enough about these teams. That Seton Hill Mercy game, that might be decent. Uh, let's see who else we got. Yeah, nothing that is getting nothing that's popping a wood or anything like that here. Uh, let's check the D three calendar. Let's see what we got for D three. Sorry guys, I didn't. I, I did want to take a look here. I didn't prep though. I got to run the kids on a field trip here today up to Elmira when I'm done doing this. I got the day off of work. That's gonna be dope. Cortland hosting St. John Fisher. That should be a big one. Christopher Newport. Here, you know what? Let's go to the polls. Let's go to the polls, and let's just see here. We had the crazy game here with Gettysburg, like I talked about over the weekend, Gettysburg upsetting Salisbury. But what I had talked about earlier 
in the week was that that game would be setting up a Salisbury tilt at Lynchburg, which was going to be a big game. And then that was also going to set up Gettysburg at Stevenson, which will be a big game. So those should be some big games here in D3. And then who else is going to play? Yeah, we're just going to stop. We're rambling. I'm going to stop. Uh, come back Sunday for damn sure. We got all these games that I'm going to recap on Sunday. As always, you can come to laxfactor.com, get your team gear quote. If you have a team and you need some apparel, you need T-shirts, reversibles, shorts, shorts with pockets, game uniforms, whatever you need, they are designed by me, printed, cut, and sewn in America. So you can go to laxfactor.com, request a quote through the website, check out some of the gear we printed in the past, or you can hit me up on social media and ask for a quote there as well. And uh, you can also go to our site and see all our videos and blah, 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 blah. So that is it. Come back Friday for the recap show, early Friday, uh, er, Sunday. Come back Sunday for the recap show, early Sunday morning, and I will recap just about every game that's played, and I will do some deep dives into D2 and D3 from now on every weekend because you all love it. So that's it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and Hoost is out. The Lax Factor Podcast.